Welcome to The One Guys Show, where we're going to be bringing you nutritional and mindset insights to help you gain nutritional freedom, lose weight faster, build a winner's mindset, all without the stress, guesswork, and sacrifice that you're used to. Now, this podcast specializes in helping women break free from the dieting shackles that society has placed them in and provides them with a clear path to success. So let's dive in. So team, we're back. This is episode number seven, I believe, in the podcast. And we have the lovely Hayley Madigan with us today. And we are going to be talking about all things to do with weight loss, but also Haley's journey through kind of looking at competing, body image and relationship with food and all those kind of additional mindset things, which I think are really interesting as well. So first and foremost, Haley, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, guys. It's tell a us pleasure. a little bit. Of, tell us about yourself. Give us oh a God, I really, down. I hate that question. I'm like, um, who am you, I? Where am I? What age am I now? I'm 31. So I'm literally like, what? Um, ex-bikini competitor, competed, and this is horrendous in my mind, the fact that I competed six years ago, because I think it was like a year, two years ago, but mm-hmm. you know, time has flown by in the last few years. So competed in 2015 for four years. Um, and I am mainly on Instagram. I've created like a lovely community of women talking about body image, talking about mindset, mental health, over physical health. Well, not over physical health, but as well as. So concentrating on the mindset as well as our physical health. And the both of them come in hand in hand. Um, I was a secondary school teacher for four years. I live in Portsmouth. Um, I don't know if there's anything else that's really do you, interesting. Do you know that you are actually massively sought after on mm. podcast from so oh, Ryan? Really? Yeah, Ryan put out a kind of like who would you like to hear? <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, people can't see the hand yet. Sorry, I did it. I did it. Woohoo! Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say for those of you who can't see. Um, I'm going to call them jazz hands, which were just played out. Yeah. They're not jazz hands, guys. They were jazz like, hands. The sky. <laughs> jazz hands the is, is shaking their hands. Oh, From bring point. it on, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, she's raising the roof. Yes. <laughs> so, so, yeah, no, you sort after. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I think you had Hopefully. a good, like, three or four people that are. So it'll be amazing. good to get an insight. And, and I think this is what's really interesting about yourself is you've kind of not only come you've come from like you've experienced yourself. And I think that's always what's most important is that you've been through the struggles, what everyone else is going through. And you've been to this, the real kind of like depths, you know, the competing yeah. side, like this, that the deep down depth mm. of, yeah, just, yeah. just darkness. <laughs> Anything and I, can... I think the thing that a lot of people often aspire visually, but I think don't often realize to, uh, to what detriment are you mm. doing this? And yeah. I myself talked about competing until that one time and eventually I was like, nah, I was like, this is not good. So tell us, let's start like right at the beginning, really. What kind of made you want to start competing? What got you into the gym fitness and how did that kind of evolve over the years? And talk about the pros and cons of competing, if you have many pros. The the long Um, list of cons. (laughs) (laughs) One pro, I like to stand half naked on a stage. (laughs) (laughs) So so my dad had a gym in the front room when I was growing up and about 14 years old, he showed me some weights. Um, We had a little lap pull down machine and he did the old lateral raises, shoulder press, tricep. 
Um, and that was pretty much it. I didn't ever train legs, but from the age of 14, I was really skinny, just naturally, like always super active. I played football for Portsmouth ladies. So always running around, but I used to get picked on at school because I was like a twig, which I used to hate people saying, you're so skinny, you're a twig. And well, that's actually, that's horrendous. That's really bad for my mind. When I was that age as a kid thinking, why are people saying horrible things about my body? Like I had no concept of my body at that age because you just naturally don't until obviously you start developing later on in your later teens. So I was like, dad, I want to grow some muscle. Can you get me some shoulders and big old biceps? And obviously <laughs> you can see in the, in the video, I have tiny biceps, but I've been training for about 17 years. So, you know, <laughs> weight training. He puts me and Hayden to shame. <laughs> <laughs> I find this really interesting because if you like, I think typically... So you were just saying there, like straight away, like people were calling you skinny and stuff, but you, you like, you had a massive, um, want to put on some muscle mass, but I think like a lot of women, like, especially at the younger ages and the age that you were saying, like they strive to look like these models that are on these magazines and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So what made you drive for more of that muscle for, uh, physique rather than that kind yeah. of like skinny look that a lot of a lot of females actually look. Yeah, it's funny because obviously when I was about 14, that's going back <laughs> quite a few years. And the, like you say, the role model or what you would like to aspire to be was a six foot two, really skinny model, which they all look beautiful, but mm-hmm. I couldn't get that because I'm five foot five. And I was like, well, I'm never going to be able to be that type of model. That is completely out of reach. So I always looked at women who were in shape athletically. I always aspired. I liked the look of muscles on a woman just naturally. And I think that must've been being around my dad all the time, him lifting weights. And I found it really like powerful and strong. And I thought that's cool. And I was a daddy's girl as a tomboy as a kid. And I just wanted to do that. And it was, must've been a really kind of inspiring, I was inspired by my dad, even though he was a man and my mom, bless her, she didn't ever do any weight training. She, um, she just walked. That's pretty much it. But I, I kind of feel like I just aspired to that because he looked powerful and strong and it made me feel like that's going to help my mindset more than anything, get over bullying or people mm. saying anything. And I just, I just really, I found it attractive in females to have a nice broad shoulders. And I know there's so many women out there that think, oh my God, I hate my shoulders. They're so big. I'm like, yeah. you look amazing. <laughs> like a wide back, a swimmer's mm. back. That's incredible. Because it makes your waist it. look smaller. Mm. So win-win. Yeah. So yeah, I guess the role model for me, I'd never really, I flicked through pages on magazines and I would look at women. I think, yeah, I mean, she looks nice, but I kind of didn't really have that one particular figure. I just appreciated athletes and how they were so determined and how they trained so much. And I just think the aspiration of that type and let alone not overly the body, but more so what they were aspiring to be and strong, independent, and yeah, just powerful. So Mm. I trained from a very young age. And then as I went through university, I studied sports and exercise science because pretty much everyone did if they wanted to be a PE teacher. So woohoo. And I then become more of a, like a, a woman, shall we say, and I would rock up in jeans and boots and never, ever take part in the um, scientific experiments that we do or the Wingate test and get onto the bike and do, you know, sprints. I'd be in the background taking the lactate thresholds and I'd be like, yeah, cool, I'm not going to do the exercise. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's taking me back. That is yeah. 
all those tests and half the time you had to like get naked to put dress straps on yeah. and all sorts yeah so I'd be in the corner like yeah all right whatever and then <laughs> just taking it in but then I would still go to the gym uh with my friend one of my best friends who'd still go in the gym and I would only concentrate on upper body because that's all I knew before I did any PT stuff and I then kind of stepped foot into um, my main gym in Portsmouth, which was Fitness First back in the day at 21. Um, and I loved it. I absolutely loved the environment. I loved how friendly people were. And I never really kind of opened up my shell until I stepped in that gym and started talking to everyone. I didn't really talk to guys most of the time. I had, I had a few guy friends and girlfriends, but... I would never approach a guy to say, hi, do you want to train with me? But when you're pushed out into that PT environment, and especially in Fitness First, they're like, right, today you're going to go talk to every single member on the gym floor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you're like 21, fresh out of uni, and you're like, uh, what? Do you want me to talk to that man over there who's lifting and deadlifting 200 kilos? Uh, okay. So my confidence grew because I just pushed myself in this, like outside this comfort zone. What was your starting opener? Sorry. What What did you say to him? (laughs) How did you initiate? (laughs) He's got his rock music on. He's gripping that bar. He's yanking that off like his life depends on it. And you got five foot five. Hayley bubbles over, all bubbly, like, hey. Hi. (laughs) Just like happy and go lucky. Yeah. And then they would always talk to me. So that worked. There you go. (laughs) Um, But so that's so I compete. um, So I trained people for about a year, just over a year there. um, And I kind of fell out of love with it because I was spending 16 hours on the gym floor and never training myself. Mm -hmm. So I was getting up at stupid o'clock, finishing late. And and it became like, there's only so much, I'm not money orientated, but there's only so much your life can do in terms of gym floor, 25 pound an hour until you're like, right, I earned a good amount. It was okay, but I'm freaking knackered Mm. every day, all day on that gym floor, Monday, every single day, seven days a week. So it wasn't until then I stopped working there that I found the love for training again and the love for lifting weights, um, being strong, being powerful. And my relationship with food was never really that good anyway, because as a female, you're meant to diet because Mm -hmm. that's normal, right? Every so single person diets. How how did you find this? Because that's the, that's really interesting. Because you know, you obviously going back. You just said like you aspire to you know you know grow muscles and stuff like this. And you know, well, obviously, you know, there's got to be a uh, a certain amount of calories and protein for you, obviously, to grow the muscles. Did you have a real hard battle with yourself consuming enough calories to get this physique that you were looking for, and actually doing it? Was there a Um, It's funny because I look back now and I think I was just yo-yo dieting all of the time. I was doing the, uh, I did did ketosis for a while, which was obviously (laughs) really fun just because I was about 22 and I was like, well, let's try it. And everyone, you know, oh, I lost loads of weight, but I look exactly the same because it's just water weight and my kidneys got, you know, (laughs) wrecked. So that was 
Yes, and I did low carb, carb cycling all the time. I was dieting, but no, for no apparent reason, just because I thought I had to diet and try to be slim, but with muscle. Like it was always just stupid because there was no mm. thought behind it. Even though I knew the science of everything, for me, when it came to me, I was like, well, I don't want to put weight on, <laughs> yeah. but I want to put muscle on. <laughs> and it was just this whole cycle of, I didn't really eat enough protein. I was, when my mum and dad um, brought me up, so from a baby, I was vegetarian. So they were vegetarians when I was born. So okay. back then there wasn't that much... Um, kind of like vegan alternatives, vegetarian alternatives. There's literally Linda McCartney sausages and that was it. And I was like, brilliant. Can't have them every day. So (laughs) I didn't have enough protein at all. And then I started eating fish and got a little bit of protein in, but I was never aware because I never tracked and I never knew what I ate in terms of calories. I would never have a clue about how much protein I ate because I wasn't obsessed with it. I was Mm -hmm. just let's say obsessed with being on a diet, but not actually having any reason to. And this was way before I was competing um, and way before I even, so I I guess I always had a bit of a bad relationship with food because I would always kind of associate it with gaining weight if I ate too much. And I would have the odd binge, you know, the Sunday night binge, or I would really restrict Monday to Friday to fit into that little black dress for Saturday drink loads of alcohol and binge on Sunday because, you know, that was normal. And mm-hmm. yeah. So it wasn't until a lady confronted me in the gym and she was another trainer and she was like, you'll be amazing at competing on stage. And I was like, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. And she was like, bodybuilding. And as soon as she said that, I thought, yeah, but I don't want to take drugs. Um, I'm okay. I don't want to go on steroids. <laughs> and she looked at me like... <laughs> I am natural bodybuilder. I do not take drugs and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, oh, okay, there's natural federations. So there's actually, I started competing with UKDFBA, which is a natural bodybuilding association um, and they drug test. Mm -hmm. And that made me feel a little bit more comfortable because I know the girls around me would be the same. And because I'm naturally small and naturally slim, I would, you know, have a chance because there's no hell and chance that I can put on kilos and kilos of muscle mass within a year or two. It takes a long time for me. And I then went through a really bad breakup. And I guess that breakup, when that happened, I thought, right, what shall I do? Revenge body. Yes. So (laughs) that's the reason why I went into competing for the first time. Um, and that was back in 2015. And the lady who obviously asked me prior to this about competing, I went with her as a coach and she taught me everything I needed to know about tracking and pretty much everything I needed to know about how to get really, really lean and lose your periods. <laughs> was, was she like a, one of the old stars? Because I think you've got these two different like generational types now with bodybuilding because you've got more yeah. of the flexible approach that you can yeah. see a little bit more, but then you've got the really old school that is like uh, chicken, chicken rice. rice. Yeah. Yeah. You've still got she, your cheat meals. And- yeah. <laughs> she was really old school and she looks fantastic, but she never lets herself put weight on. She's 67 yeah. now and she looks incredible but she's very lean and very, very lean for um, an older woman. And it just, she was very, very regimented. She was like, only eat this food and only eat this set amount of food every two to three hours. Mm -hmm. Um, And- We've all been there. And then, yeah, well, you know what it's like, broccoli. The amount of broccolis I ate, like I would have like a whole broccoli a day. (laughs) It's mad. It is mad. And that's it. 
it's, I can't eat no it now. Thought. There's no, it, it, it's so, it's so results driven, which mm. like for that sport is fine. You know, it, yeah. it's a results driven thing where it's like, you've just got one goal, get as lean as possibly, you know, done in this amount of time. But yeah, with, it's just a complete disregard of like, not so much now, but yeah. with, with your health, your relationship with food, your mental health, like that doesn't matter. Like, cause all we yeah. care about is getting Haley absolutely shredded to stand on stage and win a medal. That's all yeah. that matters in the coach's eyes, not your well being. Unfortunately. No, unfortunately, we never ever talked about that. And we had 12 weeks until a show and I didn't overly have much muscle mass, um, because I never really bulked or, <laughs> you know, allow myself to put that much weight on. So we had 12 weeks for a show and I started on 1800 calories and I kept at 1800 calories for 12 weeks, but I was so, so active that obviously that was a vast deficit. And mm. I lost so much within a week that she was like, have a cheat meal. And I was like, okay, <laughs> eyes light up. And I was thinking <laughs> a meal or a day. What do you mean? She was like a meal. I was like, I can fit in a lot in a meal. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I ordered a Domino's obviously. Um, I had a whole large pizza and then a side. And then I was like, I'm absolutely like that. Didn't even touch the sides. So I went, popped to Tesco's and pretty much raided the whole thing and <laughs> ate everything. Like, and I can picture it now. And that was six <laughs> years ago. And I, and I remember like, that was good. Yeah. That day was good. And I must've ate at least seven, 8,000 calories. It's so probably bad, got it? rid of the whole deficit of the week. Mm-hmm. in that yeah, one yeah, sitting. Yeah. And I woke up the next day and I remember that guilt and that feeling of I've undone all of my hard work, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to have to do some guilt cardio, blah, 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 blah. And it was just horrendous. And I've never felt that before. And this was a completely new feeling. And it was very strange because it was all my doing and I didn't have anyone else to blame. And that from then led to a spiral of about five years of disordered eating. And the fact that that one kind of week or not really learning about and understanding what I was putting myself into and putting my body through, it just, I look back now and I think, oh my God, I was so, I wasn't even that young. I was 25 and I should have known better really, but you just kind of get swept away with this. And you think someone's offered you an opportunity, like you look really good, but you're going to do really well, like go for it. And I will say that I did love competing. I did enjoy being on stage. I did really well, um, which was really good because I kept winning. So I was like, oh, I better keep keep going. So I won my first show. That led on to the um, Southern finals. I won that show. And then three, I know about five or six weeks later, it was the world championships in America. And I was like, okay, this sounds awesome. But, you know, a couple of months ago, I was like very new to this. So mm-hmm. I flew out to America and I won the world championships. Oh, wow. And I was just like, that's, that's amazing. But like, yeah. I felt so much pressure to look this way all of the time and to show up on social media ripped all of the time that I would think I would let people down if I didn't look this way or my clients wouldn't want to train with me if I didn't keep this up. So because I won, it kind of made it worse because I was like, well, I'm apparently I'm good at this. So I've got to keep going. I've got to keep pushing. And I never really let myself have an off season. And because of that, I never really got my cycle back. So I've lost my cycle for pretty much the whole time, which was three years. 
So, and you guys know how detrimental losing a cycle is for a female with loss of bone health and, you know, just mm. oh, my heart health. Um, my cognitive ability was shocking. And during this whole time as a teacher, I was just, <laughs> you can imagine talking to the children. I was a bit like, yeah. <laughs> have a clue what my brain is thinking walking down the road like a zombie it was the nightmare so yeah that was a very long-winded way of explaining competing but that's good it's almost it's- saying yeah it was difficult and it was a it was an amazing part of my life but it was also it it led to so many different disordered patterns of mm-hmm. my life um that i look back now and i think was it worth it and but then I've experienced a lot and now I use that experience to help yeah. other women and that makes me yeah. feel better for it. I'm like, at least there's a reason. So were you, were you documenting all of this through like through social media the whole time? Yeah. So over the five year spread? Yeah. And yeah. So, but I never talked about loss of periods until I stopped competing because course, yeah. uh, it was almost like a taboo subject, but yeah. also it was normal. Yeah. I was that female athlete triad. Like it's very normal for a female to lose her cycle. And another coach that I had during this time, she was like, well, don't worry. Your body saves all of your eggs. <laughs> I was thinking, don't, don't, don't think, I don't think that does work. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I believed it. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, thank God, you know, because one day I want to have children, hopefully touch wood. But I never thought about it because I never researched it and I never looked into it because I kind of ignored it. And I, saving loads of money on tampons so it was brilliant really <laughs> through that time <laughs> but, every cloud has a silver lining for yeah, those of you listen to this. <laughs> but honestly girls it's not good for you so please don't think it's a good thing yeah. um and it wasn't until i researched and you know delved more about it that i thought why am i not talking about this and as soon as i talked about it on social media on instagram the amount of women were like oh, I've got that too, or mm-hmm. I don't have a period, or oh, yeah. that's happened to me. And they were like, oh, I didn't realize it was so damaging for your human body, the fact that your longevity is a suffering, the mm. fact that you could get osteoporosis like 10 times more than a normal cycling female. There were so many things that shouted at me like, you need to have a cycle. This is so not normal for you. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I recovered and talked about recovery and helped other women recover, it was just, it was amazing to see the fact that one, incredible to help other women, even like to be able to get pregnant, absolutely amazing. And there were supplements out there that I remember this one lady, she messaged me, she said, I'm going through IVF, my, um, my doctors prescribed this um, like pill to go on the pill before I start IVF. And I was a bit like, well, Obviously, focus on what your doctor's telling you. But if you want to try and do it naturally, I wouldn't recommend going on a pill. I would recommend taking myo—I can't say this word—myoinositol. Inositol. Inositol. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm really bad. (laughs) Folic acid and vitamin D, and it was just those three. Three months later, she messaged me and said, "I'm pregnant." And that's literally, I was like, and the doctor didn't tell you to even vitamin D. It's an amazing supplement and can help them so much. And I was just gobsmacked that this general, this knowledge wasn't out there in typically in the doctors. And I mean, they do an amazing job. IVF is incredible. Like my nephew is from IVF and I know that this is needed, but there's also the part of supplementation of certain things that can improve a woman's cycle or can get them pregnant. And to be able to give that gift is such a wonderful feeling. So I'm glad that I went through that to be able to give back to other women. 
Um, but it wasn't until I kind of talked about it and opened the subject up more on social media that it was almost like, oh, okay, relief. And I then couldn't stop talking about it. And I was like, period, everything about the menstrual cycle. (laughs) And you guys know, and menstrual cycle training, like it's so, so important that a woman knows her body. Mm -hmm. A woman should know her body. And if there's signs of a woman's body's changing, and even if you're getting an elongated luteal phase, that might be because, and then like a period that's only like one or two days, that might be because you're dieting too strictly and that maybe you need a little bit of a break. And it's so important to know that as for a female to know her body, if she's pushing it too hard, Mm -hmm. if she's doing too much HIIT training, if she's doing, you know, too much, even too many steps and not eating adequate amount of food. Um, And I think we forget out there that a lot of women don't realize that this is so important for their bodies because they're focusing purely on weight loss all of the time mm-hmm. that they forget that this is going to have an effect on their longevity of their life, their bone health, the future them. And it wasn't until my dad would say to me, well, you you know, shouldn't squat with that much weight on because your knees are going to take it. I'm like, yeah, but weight training is really good for my knees. <laughs> now I'm like, my knees really hurt. I <laughs> 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 probably pushed it a little bit too much. <laughs> Isn't it crazy that like, so... Like everything you just described there is like almost well, it's essential for like a, a woman's health, like for them to have like the best possible. Well, number one, like dieting experience if they're going to diet, but two, actually like the longevity of their own health. Yet we're never ever taught it, or like females are never taught in school or anything. But you're taught like what an isosceles triangle is and stuff like that. It's like what the fuck? Like, to do fractions? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's mad. Yeah. That's it, and yeah. it's. But it's not because of it's. It's also a sport. Those within it have just deemed that that is a normal part of it, which per se it probably is a normal part of it. Does that necessarily mean it's right? No. Um, and I think also then because of it's like well, it always just happens. Like get on with it. That's fine. But it's like don't promote it. But also people don't understand that. You know, yeah. I've had girls message before saying, um, I've lost my period. Is this normal? And I'm like, okay. And they're like, I'm eating like 800 calories a day. And I'm like, oh my goodness gracious. I'm like, okay. And I've had girls as young as about 14. Oh, it's, it's awful. Oh, and this goodness. is where it's like, where's the education into this? You know, I have, know that that's bad. Exactly. Like I've got women that are like, you know, 50, 60 that are like, I've never been taught this stuff in my life. Like you've literally opened my eyes to all of this. And we had conversations the other day about our clients. Like we've all had a client or more than one client who's managed to get pregnant even through like because they're now consuming adequate you know yeah. protein they can they're, they're still losing weight but they've managed to get pregnant because their health is better because they've lost weight but they've because lost they've weight lost in weight. a sustainable way that wasn't some crash course and i think the chase of it's really interesting coming from yourself with regards to how you were chasing a muscular physique whereas a lot of people do chase a skinny physique yet the outcome of it is really nice because you've noticed that like we always say this, you know, you could regret it or you can take it as a lesson learned. You know, you know what? I've taken this lesson learned and I'm now going to try and help as many people through my own mistakes and learnings per se to make it, make sure that you guys don't do this as well. Yeah. Yeah. Don't follow my footsteps, but I'm going to prove to you. It's really bad. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. That's it. And It's, it's, it's crazy because we're not taught that there's a finite part of losing body fat and there's a point to it where you should stop. Mm -hmm. And 
if you're extremely lean as a female and, it, and you can kind of get away with it and you're keeping up your activity levels, it's going to come to a point where you can't maintain this. And you need to be focusing on a lifestyle that is maintainable and sustainable for you. And that's absolutely okay if you want to get there gradually. But I'd rather say to my clients, have a deficit that is a shorter, smaller deficit. So like, you know, three, 400 calories that's easily achieved to still maintain your social life, even though we have none at the moment, but in reality, <laughs> still maintain your social life, still maintain enjoying what your foods you like and enjoying time with your family or friends and everyone and still creating that over time. And even in a couple of months, four, five, six months, you'll get to your goal. Mm-hmm. You will pick up those habits and you will keep those habits and you will have them forever. Whereas if you crash diet for four to eight weeks, you will more so likely pick up those bad habits that's going to affect your mental health, that's going to affect your, you know, it's not going to be sustainable. And you're going to pick out probably more so disordered eating patterns, overtraining, and it's usually going to stem to rebound and you're back to square one. So I think when people know that they can do it over time, but also to understand that if their goal is I want to be shredded with abs. Let's talk about that goal because that goal might not be where you really want to be because yeah, if you're fine and some women don't lose their periods, absolutely fine. But if you're shredded, uh, you might feel like absolute crap because Mm -hmm. most of the time I did, I know you did Ryan and you just, you just feel rubbish. Um, and so some people can maintain it, but if you, like you said, if you get there yourself and you experience it and you're thinking, oh my goodness, what is this? Then sometimes it's harder to put that weight back on and let yourself enjoy the process of actually thinking, no, I'm doing this for my health. That can be the harder part than actually losing all of the weight and getting shredded. Mm -hmm. So it's really like you guys do coaching your clients, making sure they're aware of those situations before they get into it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's vital for their health, more so their mindset and their mental health that they might reach their goal, but they might not actually be happy. And that's why Mm -hmm. when people say I've got a goal, a weight, a, a weight goal, and I'm like, why, why is that goal away? Like, why is 11 stone a goal weight? Or why is eight stone a goal weight? Like, what does that, because I felt really good when I was at that, st- at that stage, but it might change for you at the moment. You know, that might've been 10 years ago and you might've been way more active. Now you might have a family and you, you know, you've, you've got, you're an adult and you've got jobs to do and you can't just go for runs every day and enjoy, yeah. you know, activities. So it's something that it needs to be sustainable and understand that people, you know, have to have a good goal in mind to be healthy. But if they can have a mindset goal along with that, I find that working on their mindset and their mental health at the same time and understanding that if you're happy during the whole process, then you're keep it going. And it's not just going to be, Oh, I've finished. I've reached this goal. And what do I do now? How do I maintain it? Yeah, yeah, this this is something that we speak a lot about, isn't it, Ryan? In terms of like, so first of all, you're like, I can't like incredibly right in terms of like what people strive for when they start on any kind of like fat loss endeavors. They they they've got this picture in their head of what they want to look like. They've got this number that they want to get to, 
And 99.9% of the time, like that will never ever be the happiness that you're actually striving for. But something that we, we really heavily focus on is like actually discovering what your why is, like your true why to why you're actually doing the journey in the first place. Because once that can kind of get unpacked, like as a coach, like it's so much easier for us to guide you through that process and actually question your beliefs about what it is. Because if you're saying, like you just said, then if you're saying like, do you know what I, I just, I want to look good. It's like, okay, that's, that's fine. But we can, we can kind of like give you a bit more direction around this approach and help you understand that actually like, you know, being six or seven kilos lighter, like your happiness probably isn't going to change. Like, but it's, it's, it's the honest truth. And I think people think that that weight loss that they're going to strive for is going to be the happiest, the happiness that they're searching for. But it doesn't mean that, losing weight won't come with an element of happiness. It just doesn't mean you need to do it in this extreme form that, you know, society has taught us that we should be doing and all of these kind of things. It's managing... So, go on, sorry. No, go on. No, as I say, it's managing expectations. Mm. Society's placed this unrealistic thing of expectations as to what is real and what is achievable for marketing purposes. Time is of the essence in this world. Now we know that everything wants to be done quicker. Laptops are faster. You know, you've got phones, cars are faster. Like everything is done to save you time. And that's why weight loss is now marketed in that manner. Whereas it then leads to everyone having these unrealistic expectations of like, actually, what is fat loss? Like you are going on a weight loss journey, fat loss journey, because you're going to better your health. That is completely backwards. If you then trying to, in the, in the uh, chase to better your health, you make your health worse because <laughs> health isn't just physical, you know, it's your mental health, your social health. If you crash diet, you lose your period, you increase your, you know, lose muscle mass, you increase your risk of osteoporosis, all these things you were talking about, and your relationship with food gets worse, relationship with the scales gets worse. You then don't also socialize because you're trying to avoid all these foods and things like that. Well, how, how are you any healthier than when you started off? Like yeah. you're not like you might get, get like lose a lot of weight and you might, maybe your health markers are better at the end, but you're like so much has got worse that like, you're never going to maintain that new health that you got anyway. And that's where I think the expectations are so flawed where we're trying to better our health, but we don't realize that in the process, we're actually making our health worse. If we don't actually concentrate on all the other little bits that actually make up your health and your journey and everything like that as yeah. well. And it's unfortunate because we're always, and I think we're just suckers like this as, as a bit of a humankind. Like we strike, like I will be, we tell this to our, um, clients, we get them to write out like daily gratifications because we're like, it pulls you away from that. I'll be happy when it doesn't yeah. just accumulate to weight loss. It's like, I'll be happy when I own a nice car. I'll be happy when I have a million pounds in the bank. I'll be happy <laughs> when I've got abs. It's like, well, no, hold on. Like you're constantly just going to be chasing stuff as a person. Like bring that back. You know, what actually does make you happy now? Like the mm. happiness should be there. It shouldn't be, you'll be happy when something happens. You're happy now. It's just that some things in your life will be better. Like your health, yeah. your physical appearance will be better. It won't make you happy. That happiness comes from other things as well. And I think that's where sometimes we get roped into like that chase of like placing so much ownership on a body image to, mm. to bring us about happiness. And then, you know, I still remember the days when I got down, I thought I'd be shredded at 86 kilos. I got to 86 kilos and I had to lose another like stone and a half to get <laughs> absolutely shredded. And oh I now God. know that like the feeling was horrific when I stepped on the scales that morning and I was like 86 and I was like, look down at myself. I'm like, well, I mean, I'm still a little bit short on my goal here. And 
it's this feeling of just like, like I felt like a failure. I'd been already been dieting for like, you know, three, four months already. And I was just like, oh, what the hell? Like you're so deflated. And then even when I got ripped and I took, I think two photos of social media, I was like, I mean, that was <laughs> not, <laughs> yeah. I was literally like, that was not worth yeah. it. <laughs> two weeks of binging and a bit of a disordered eating yeah. after that for a fair few months. Yeah. You've, like, You've got to have the body confidence before you go into any type of diet. And I always say to women that, that if they can love their body at the moment that they're in, then that's a perfect start because you're not going to be disappointed when the scales go up and down, up and down, up and down, because they always do. You're not going to be disappointed when you get a plateau and you're not going to be disappointed with how long this takes because you're going to be happy during the whole process. Why do you want to endure the journey, hate every single part of the journey, get there and think, oh, okay, cool. What do I do now? But if you love your body and you have a good amount of body confidence, you're you're appreciative of the little things in life. You practice your gratitudes in the morning. You do mindfulness, you do meditation, you do things for you. And then you enjoy the lifestyle that you've just created. You add little implements of habits and healthy habits. You're not completely crash dieting or removing the foods that you love. When people say, can I have a chocolate bar? Is that okay? Yeah, I had chocolate for breakfast. Like, Brilliant. It's not going to do anything bad. I I'm like so chocolate. jealous. Yeah. In my carrot cake oats, I put loads of chocolate buttons in. It was delightful. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> but yeah. I like chocolate. Like, that's mm-hmm. fine. And I, I mean, your body's not going to know the difference horrendously between, you know, certain foods because all it sees it is as energy and it just utilizes what it needs to utilize. Our bodies are a lot cleverer than we give it credit for because mm. it's not going to understand where people say, Oh, but what macro split? And I'm like, don't concentrate too much on macro split. Mm-hmm. Realistically, it doesn't matter if you ate five grams over your carbohydrate target. So I don't <laughs> give my clients carbohydrate and fat targets. I just yeah. give you a protein goal and there's your calories and don't worry about carbs and fat split. Mm-hmm. Obviously have enough of both, especially um, fats for female for their hormones. And they're like, what, I can eat, you know, what kind of ever food I like? I'm like, yeah. Because we're allowed to eat food. It's energy. Our bodies are just going to utilize it as energy. Obviously, get your vitamins, get some minerals. Certain foods are going to be better for satiety. Certain foods are going to make you feel better than others. But also, every single food is fine to eat. Mm -hmm. It's about enjoying that food and not restricting. And I mean, I remember in the depths of prep, I was weighing peanut butter down to five grams Oh. Five grams because I was so so wanting this peanut butter so much that I didn't want to remove it, and it was five grams. <laughs> For anyone knows, it can't what, be a lot. Five grams. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, five grams. Like, it was like thirty calories. Yeah, I was going to say because like a tablespoon, a rough like tablespoon, like flat level table is about twenty-ish yeah, grams. Twenty maybe. grams. Yeah. So you're talking, yeah, like half. God, <laughs> oh, man, I'd put that in like. There it goes. And you know, like now, nowadays, I just find the tub and I just scoop. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah directly like, right. into your mouth as well. You're like, it even misses the bowl of oats. Yeah. It goes in my mouth. That doesn't count. Those calories don't count, you know, when you eat it from the tub. <laughs> I always know when someone's starting from looking at them in the gym because they are with their Tupperware literally chasing that last grain of rice around the, the Tupperware pot. Oh. <laughs> That's a grain of rice. 
literally those days and I still do that because I'm very I love food so much I'm very <laughs> grateful for the food that I have so I scrape every last bit just that's a habit that I've I created mm. I can't leave anything on my plate because I'm like well now I need to eat, <laughs> I need to eat. Yeah. and you're so right with regards to like we always say to our clients every and whoever listens to this is probably like, Ryan, you always say this, but you know, we can't drill this home enough. And you probably are going to agree, Haley, that we'll, I always say this, like a professional sports team has the same outcome. They want to win the league, but it's what they do in the process that gets them there. They, the things that they do, the habits, the behaviors that they do. And it's all about enjoying the journey because imagine if you're a sports team and you pay, you know, like 26 games or whatever it is across this season. And you're like, imagine if you were never happy unless you won the league. Well, all of the other teams are going to be so miserable. You're going to just be like waiting to lift that cup. And if you don't, lift that cup how disappointing is that because that's why you've got to you know they enjoy every game of football they play or every game of tennis they they learn from it exactly and And when it doesn't go their way they learn like a plateau or if the scales go up Mm -hmm. and yeah that's fine but what happened in that process or let's talk about plateaus and why they happen let's talk about not weighing yourself every damn day because mm-hmm. you don't need to, or weighing yourself at different parts of your menstrual cycle and then comparing it against those parts of your menstrual cycle the next month. Mm-hmm. And there's so many variables that change every single day. And we forget the stresses that we're under, not only COVID, but in the daily situation that every single, a woman and a man, I mean, children, like taking the kids to school, which majority of women are probably, you know, between the ages of 30 and plus have children, which is a normal thing. And if you don't, that's cool. I don't. <laughs> but, I'm 30, you, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's another stress. Like you're create, you're growing these humans and then mm. you're taking care of them forever, mm. pretty much. Mm. My mom still texts me every single day and she's taking care of me every single day. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> that is that. a massive stress. And you're mm. then adding work stress, majority, mm-hmm. um, partner stress, maybe family stress friend stress and it's just society stress social media stress and then you're (laughs) then you're having a go at yourself for not eating a perfect amount of calories um chill out it's okay if you go over a little bit create a little average across the week don't worry if you had one of those days where you think oh i just ate a bit too much and i feel bad Mm. please don't feel guilty for eating a bit more food because we have the luxury of food And we need to realize that we've come to this, we're in a society that is rich. We have Mm -hmm. amazing things to be able to do. Even within COVID, we can still communicate. We can still see friends via FaceTime, et cetera. And yet you're then worrying about this little day, part of your day, which you ate a little bit too much on. And it's just thinking, actually, like you said before, Ryan, about the gratitudes in life, thinking about your health and thinking about like you're still here, your family's health, everyone's health, like making each other laugh, the small little things, going for a little walk, seeing the sea. Like I think if COVID taught me anything, I'm grateful just to be able to go for a walk and see the seaside. And I can't wait to the day that I can climb a mountain again and see, you know, internationally as much as I can and just embrace Mm -hmm. the earth. And during that time, I'm not going to be tracking my calories. I'm not going to be focusing on (laughs) how much protein I got in that day because I'm living. And as Mm -hmm. long as, even if you've got a goal, you can still live with that goal, like live it as part of that goal Mm -hmm. and enjoy your life as the process. Because if you don't, you're going to be miserable even when you get to that goal 
or you're going to be choosing another goal that's unachievable or unsustainable. And I think once we realize that actually making this flexible and enjoying the process, you will find that you'll enjoy the journey and probably nine times out of 10, you'll get where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I always say this, like you're two things, like you're never going to go into middle of a party and shout out how much weight you lost in how many weeks, like no one cares, but people are going to notice when you've lost weight. Except at a herbal life convention. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and people are going to know when you've lost weight and that you've kept it off. And this is one thing that's crucial to note. Myself and Hayden said this, like we don't always track calories. Like you track them because it's a tool. Yeah. Haley can now go away, go traveling, do these things. And she'll manage to pretty much, you know, sometimes we go away, we're going to put on a bit because we do eat a shed ton of food. But the thing is, is the difference in the habits that we know, you know, we're now protein seeking individuals. We know roughly the energy density of foods. We know, you know, listening to internal hunger cues, things like that. We've built these habits in that allow us to live the life without having to constantly be thinking about everything. And I think that's where a lot of kind of Unfortunately, coaches fall short about looking at the bigger picture. And this isn't back talking coaches. This is just general because we're not taught it. It's like, think about all that stuff you were talking about earlier. Like you don't just set someone be like, these are your calories. You have to hit them within like 10 calories and you have to hit these protein, fats and carbs. And it's like, hold on. They're not a robot. Like you're not prepping on stage where someone will do everything that you want to say. You're dealing with all the stresses of life. They're not looking to win a competition. They're looking to better their health stress, their mental health, all these things are so important in how you deliver the program and the approach that you take. And also not forgetting things such as your habits and behaviors, because they are what allow you to take it into the real world and maintain what it is you've achieved. If you just track calories, don't get any other education on anything, you are going to be solely reliant on that method for the rest of your life because you're going to be so attached to that, knowing that that's what got you the results. If I drop that, you're like, well, what am I meant to do? I haven't learned anything else. I only know how to do this. And there's people out there. You know, I see people... Who have like 742 streaks on my fitness pal. And I'm literally like, that isn't healthy. Like, have a. We don't really swear have on this a podcast. Day off. Yeah. But don't like, relax, man. Like, yeah. that's not healthy having tracked your calories two and a half years. Like, unless you've been dieting for two and a half years straight and you're using it as a tool, like, you should I, not be yeah. that attached to it. I tend to guesstimate most of my days now. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, some days I don't really think about it, but if I want, if I've got a goal or if I'm changing up my training and I may need to make sure I'm fueling myself enough, I guesstimate. And because right. I know pretty much I can eyeball every single food and I've probably memorized my fitness pals, nutrition labels uh, <laughs> off the back of competing. I'm like, I know exactly how many grams of carbs and how many grams of fats. I'm like, this is brilliant. I've got my, my, my fitness pals in my brain, but I can guesstimate. And that's over because of the years that I've actually did the work for. Um, and people want to try to go straight into intuitive eating whilst losing weight. And it's so hard to coach that type of, um, the type of coaching because you you want to be able to allow them to intuitively eat because it's so important and it's also brilliant for your mindset and it's brilliant to stop tracking. But if they've never tracked and there's so many aspirations of of wanting to track and then intuitive eating and then it's, you've just got this whole kind of craze of 
listening to your body because you're hungry and actually knowing if you're hungry or not, because a lot of the time, because we've spent so long dieting, we can't actually listen to our body's hunger hormones. And a lot of the time, like grayling will, you know, completely change because we've dieted so much and we're now hungry all the time. But can we go into intuitive eating if we're hungry all of the time? Mm -hmm. And it's such a hard balance to get. And like, I'm pretty sure every single person's gone through it ups and downs through experience. I've gained weight, I've lost weight, I've gained weight again. And it's learning about what was beneficial to you, but not putting so much pressure on yourself to do everything exactly right. Like I used to wear a Fitbit um, tracker and I just got so obsessed with it because I would be like, oh my God, I've only burnt 700 calories or, oh my God, I've only done 2000 steps. Let's go for a run. Like, no, have a day off, like chill out. It's okay. The only thing it benefited me from was actually telling me to eat breakfast because it showed me that I burnt calories in the night. (laughs) 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 You obviously do because you're still alive because you're not moving. You think, oh, do I deserve do I deserve breakfast? Because I was very much, um, during competing, I was very much intermittent fasting because I had, towards the end of competing, I was on 800 calories, an hour and a half of cardio and two weight sessions a day. Um, whilst teaching <laughs> and I would stop, I wouldn't have my first meal until three o'clock because then That's I mad. could eat pretty much 800 calories, you know, in like two meals. And it kind of, I felt full, but I would never, ever let myself have breakfast ever because of that. And it took years to come out of that mindset of, but I need to fast because I've not done anything at the night. Well, actually, no, your body's burnt calories whilst you're sleeping. And I fidget a lot of my sleep. I must burn way more than most people because I jump and talk. So sometimes sleepwalk. So I must be knackered. <laughs> I mean, but, you are the half must have a filled day. <laughs> yeah, literally. He's probably thinking, thank that God I'm not the there at the moment. Yeah, and I, I, I shout and swear. I've got like, like, yeah, even as a kid, my mum would hear me like and I would swear in my sleep and I wouldn't I was obviously having a bad dream but I wouldn't know and I wouldn't be like swearing so in my she, sleep my my other half she um she'll randomly say some words in her sleep I'm convinced like that is going to be the cause of my death I think she's going to go in I'm convinced like, that would be the only way that I go is because she's going to have some kind of like weird nightmare yeah, yeah. it's sometimes I don't trust myself I'm like right let, let's just go to sleep lock the doors we'll be safe yeah. I don't and I also used to eat during the night times because I was so hungry I would go down because I would go to bed hungry I would go down into the fridge at like 2am and just eat and I wouldn't even really realise that I was doing it like so annoying sleep eating yeah, yeah. Literally. no way I used to sleepwalk when I was younger but I grew out of it sleep eating man yeah, that's, that's annoying no. because you don't know how much you've ate yeah <laughs> Imagine if, yeah, I was going to say, imagine if you tracked it. Like in my sleep, I ate food and tracked it. Scan the barcodes, everything. <laughs> I go downstairs, I'm like, where did this half a box of cereal go? <laughs> That's mental. Hit the crumbs all the way back upstairs. That's crazy, isn't it? But luckily, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> and talking kind of about intuitive eating, this is where I think, like, that is that is where you want to get to, is to a place where you understand your hunger cues, you know, whether it's physical, I've said this before, like physical hunger or psychological hunger, you know, you're actually physically hungry because you want something or you're psychologically hungry due to emotions, craving certain things. You then feel guilty after. How children eat. Yeah. But this is the thing. (laughs) We need to, you need to understand that like we're in the reason that we are now because of 
you know, habits of behaviors that don't suit us, but also a lack of energy density education. You know, when someone's like, oh, I've worked out my calories using your calculator, Ryan, they seem so high. And I'm literally like, this should make you realize how many calories you've been eating for the past 10 years to get to where you are now. And it's like, no way. And I'm like, okay, how many calories in a banana? Well, I don't know. So how do you know how many calories you've been eating up until this point? It's like, it's, you can't do that. And it isn't, you know, society doesn't, I think, help us because we're also faced with, you know, where we eat, you don't leave food on, you know, your table. We're on the phone. We're watching TV when we're eating. We're not mindfully eating anymore. We're completely distracted. Um, you know, we eat for motions with regards to like celebrating things are marketed in shops that then catch our eye. You know, you go shop in Hungary. It's an absolute minefield. <laughs> You're fighting so many different things that almost don't work with intuitive eating. Yeah. But like you've got, you've got to learn how to intuitively eat, you know? And it's also, if you have prep your food and you take it to the office you're looked as a weirdo and you're almost oh, you're thinking, one of those yeah <laughs> and if you have a mcdonald's it's absolutely fine like mm, yeah, well actually no normal. i want to eat you know healthily that's okay if you have a mcdonald's but it's normal if you have a mcdonald's in 12 crispy creams in a pe yeah. office but it's not normal to have a protein <laughs> shake yeah. and that's yeah, it and it's I, I think it's with the extremes though isn't it because with with dieting when people think about the word dieting comes restriction straight away anyone yeah. who thinks about dieting it's restriction which it doesn't again doesn't have to be the case it doesn't have to be restriction it just has to be some kind of restraint to a certain element but i think um James Clear talks a lot about this, about, you know, like just trying to get, oh my headphones more, just trying to get like um, 1% better. So just like you're going back to, is like, you don't have to track every single gram of carbs, fats, or even protein to a certain, certain degree. But if you can just get like 1% better in getting your steps higher, if you can get 1% better in tracking your food, and even from this like intuitive eating standpoint that you're talking about, like even if you just get 1% better in coming like, in tune with your own internal hunger, like you are going to, like even that 1% over the course of a year, like you're looking at like, it's like 40% increase. A 40% increase is a huge, huge deal. But because that 1% is so small in that very moment, it's easy to do. But mm. we always look for this hard, quick, like dieting quick approach. Thing. Yeah, which just doesn't, and it just, it doesn't always seem to, to plan out with with how we want it to go mm. like i think because we when you were back dieting in bodybuilding we like meal template is that pretty much like um at the beginning yes because i was very new to it and my coach was very regimented old school bodybuilding and then i kind of went on my own for the next few competitions and i would type into social media and kind of like watch what other people are doing and i'd have a little <laughs> look and i'd be like oh i can learn from this person oh what's flexible dieting mean oh what's iifym <laughs> if, if it's your macros i was like i like this so <laughs> I was very much if it fits your macros type of person for a few years and I would have lucky charms on leg day that oh, I would get rid of the charms. oats and just eat the charms um, <laughs> because obviously that's the best part so it was very much marshmallows and lucky charms on leg day because obviously loads and loads of sugar um, I would put whole French fancies in my oats 
You know the Ooh, nice. Thing? Yeah. yeah, that was good. Um, <laughs> what are you giving me ideas now? I oh, know, and and icing in my oats, like literally actual icing. Uh, that was wonderful. But this would all be tracked. This would all be still under my calories. I was just very much if it fits your macros. So yeah. I still enjoyed it, but I was still starving. <laughs> yeah. Well, this this is not. I think with with any kind of approach like that, and it's going back to what you were saying, Ryan, earlier with like it's. it's it's kind of like that lack of education because when you have like either a templated approach and you've got these, we've always got to be careful with like what we say on the podcast with these different um, methods that is out there for um, like clubs we'll use, but they, um, no one wants to get sued here. No, (laughs) no one wants to get sued, but um there's no that it doesn't it doesn't mean anything to them. So when they stop finishing this approach or this template, it's like they just go back to their old habits behaviors yeah. because they've never been taught anything differently. Um, I was, I'm really interested. But like, what was the moment where you were like you've obviously just you were doing five years, four or five years of competing? Yeah, three four years. Like, what was the moment where you were like, I'm out. Like, I. <laughs> enough is enough it was almost the same reason why i started i again went through a really bad breakup (laughs) (laughs) there come in some positives yeah Yeah, i learned from both of them but because i then started dating during my competing Mm -hmm. um that was all i kind of knew with that person and then we went on holiday and that was when my cycle came back when I was on holiday. And it usually is for a lot of people when they go on holiday and they de-stress and they relax. But I couldn't really relax fully. Like I still had to track that one Magnum ice cream that I had. Like I couldn't let myself enjoy it. And I noticed that my personality just wasn't the same. And we shortly broke, broke up after that holiday. And I then realized I took a step step back and I thought, like, this is all my fault because, you know, we like to just blame ourselves at the time. And I thought it was competing. I thought it was my eating habits. I thought it was my personality had diminished. And no, it wasn't. It was him. But <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening to it, FYI. <laughs> um, but it wasn't then until I realized, like, oh, I'm stuck. I've lost myself. And I did lose my personality. I lost who I was. I lost who the friendly, happy person that I really was. And I then got my revenge and went on a reality TV show. So I got that one back. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. I forgot about this. <laughs> I know. I tried to wipe it off my memory. <laughs> like that ITV show. Hayden doesn't know about this. No, I can't, I, 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 you can't skip past this. What's... Yeah, nah, this has and to be. And end of the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, some technical difficulties here, and Haley's gone. <laughs> yeah. Haley's laptop stopped working. Beep. So, um, are we now that? Wait, are How we did so, Ireland? No, not, but it was oh. the makers of Love Island. Yeah, it was so the same style. It was Survival of the Fittest, which was the winter Love Island. Um, so it, the only thing that I liked about it was it was fitness-like elements. So we had to do competitions against boys. So I was like, okay, I like that. Uh, against men? Nice. Yes, sign me up. But I didn't uh, apply for it, like just to let everyone know. I didn't mm. apply for it. They just, ITV like to scope on social media for people. So majority of people that they probably have casted may have come from Instagram. Mm. Um, so they I said, got uh, scouted for a dating show yeah. four or five weeks ago. <laughs> and I gave it to a friend instead. Oh, and she brilliant. went on it. <laughs> and she- Amazing. <laughs> I was like, I can't do it. I was like, but I do have someone who I know would 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 love the chance to go on TV. And they were like, 
okay, well, we can interview her. So I hooked it up and she went on and did it. <laughs> oh God, I love it. Brilliant. Yeah, it's funny so, when they say sometimes they end that one with it's a dating show and you go, I'm in a relationship. Yeah, that doesn't matter. I have some pretty morals. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've, the the thing is, is you can only map like when as soon as you, you hear these things, I'm like, it will never be as good as it seems. Like they'll make they're like, that's a great dating show. When she came back and gave me feedback of how it was it was so like staged and fixed and like it was all set up to make you look a certain way. Like it was all, and I was just like, oh no. Reality is not reality. It's extremely far from reality. And the amount of, I could do a whole nother podcast on that. Um, I kind of throw them under the bus a couple of times, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm out of my contract. So yeah, feel free. Um, (laughs) Do you know what? That affected my mental health more than, um, competing probably that and I was only I mean I was only over in South we got to go to South Africa so that was tick you know that nice. was amazing but didn't really wasn't allowed to explore it because we were locked down so we were locked down for 10 days before I actually went into the show so that was my first experience of lockdown but it was a bit nicer because of the monkeys running in the garden so I was like <laughs> oh this is cute the zebras over there that's amazing <laughs> wasn't allowed to do anything and had a chaperone the whole time um, and then you're chucked into this show that's completely like filmed 24-7. Um, and you have nannies there living with you, telling you what to do. And, you know, and you're like, this isn't, this isn't what I signed up for. Yeah, yeah. How did they sell it? Sorry, say how again. Did, how did they sell it to you? Um, they don't, I don't think they really sell it to you. They just kind of say, oh, it's from the makers on of Love Island. Yeah. yeah, it's from the makers of Love Island. Um, do you want to go on telly, basically? Oh, um, okay. Do you want to go to South Africa? Do you want to do um, trials against men? I was like, yes, because I will win. <laughs> um, and, and then they give you like a psychological evaluation up in London. And it was like, um, how would you feel if paparazzi and the media, you know, um, were taking pictures of you and you were followed and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, it should be fine. (laughs) (laughs) You get that, like you don't know until that happens, but I mean, that's fine. Psychological, like they did everything that they probably should have, but it wasn't until you were put in this, in this situation where you are then told what to do, but that goes against what you want to do. You're a puppet. Yeah. Mm. And, And I was 28 and I was like, hang about, I don't want to do that. And there was 21 year olds, 20 year olds in there like, yeah, okay. And I'm like, but I don't, uh, excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) I have a question. (laughs) (laughs) Hayley, we're rolling. Oh, and it was, it was just very weird. It made me feel like a child because they would give you watches and they would change the time on everyone's watch. So you never knew what the time was. And you'd have to kind of figure out where the sun was to know what time of day or when lunch was coming. And it was like, just, yeah. it was so controlled. And I, I still enjoyed, and I very much appreciated the fact that I was able to do it. Probably wouldn't do it again because how messed up it kind of created made me. Mm. Um, and the fact that I did some amazing trials and challenges. I mean, that, the first one was my favorite and it was, you had to hang off a log for as long as possible. Um, <laughs> literally a massive tree log. And I was like, right, I can do this. I haven't eaten breakfast. I'm light. 
<laughs> and it was like obviously like above a lake and I lasted 52 minutes holding on to dear life 52 on that bloody minutes? Lock. Yeah no. Mindset Drill that mindset It's camera whooshing around and I'm thinking don't freaking drop Haley because your mum and dad are watching <laughs> That is fifty. Oh, I've never known like muscle ache yeah. and muscular endurance in your thumbs and just oh it was like so what they did which really annoyed me actually because i would have held longer is after 50 minutes they say drop your legs and that wasn't actually recorded on the telly so like that wasn't shown on the telly so it was legs and arms so you're hanging upside down yeah and bless the girls i mean a lot of them didn't really they're not they weren't strong for their bodies so they were like yeah mm-hmm. i'm not doing this hey you could do it so I lasted out of the girls and then at 50 minutes, they said, right guys, you're taking too long, drop your legs. And I was like, oh. yeah. so I'm just there with my arms and my arms are fatigued for 52 minutes and the boys have smaller logs than me. So my log is bigger, so I can't actually lock my arms around. And I'm thinking, this is not fair. You've programmed this, so I knew. <laughs> oh. And then fell, obviously, and the boys won. But, it was actually I. That You're was so the, sour about that, aren't you? God, <laughs> <laughs> hasn't let that go. How three many years? years well, three years three later. Years, basically, to this By the way, I was day, yeah. out of it. <laughs> so annoyed. <laughs> I'm not competitive in slightest. <laughs> no. Um, but it taught me a lot about mindset, which actually, mm. you know, benefit. It taught me a lot about determination. How I could have let go after two minutes. Mm. I could have easily said, "This is painful." But you block it out like training, you block it out. And like I did in competing, I block the hunger out. Mm. <laughs> Stupidly. But I did it for a reason. That was for a reason. That's okay. And I think when it's controlled and and you can also almost better your mindset for that. And it did improve my mindset. It was just everything else that didn't. And yeah. I will I've always cherished the experience like I did with competing. And it gave me a platform to raise from and to talk about. And it also, you know, it helped it helped my life during that position and that phase. And it then led to a lot of kind of because you're then chucked out into the open world and almost because it wasn't as good as Love Island. It wasn't as, it was the first series of this one. So it was very like new and people were like, oh, what's that? I'm not going to watch that. It didn't get very good ratings. And then you almost go, go back to your normal life, go, go. And then Mm, you go back to your normal job and you're like, um, okay, I don't really need a little bit of help here. Um, and they don't really do, they do a little bit of a psycho evaluation after psychological evaluation. And so is it, were you from that moment, was there like, were you mass exposed to like, uh, Instagram following and stuff like that is, is, is that? Yeah. I mean, it grew quite a lot in a week. Um, not massively. It grew from like 20,000 to 50,000 or 60,000, something like that, which in a week is quite a lot. And it was, it was quite, um, crazy but then I'd watch all the other girls that were on the show and they grew to like quarter of a million and there's me sat there thinking why did I not grow to that why and then I then the self self comparison and self comparing everything happened for like six months 
I was just thinking, why am I not like those other girls? And then I couldn't get an agent. So all the other girls were doing different things with different fashion brands. And I was thinking it's because I'm a fitness girl. All the other girls weren't bar one were were fashion girls. So like beauty, beautiful, amazing at their makeup, incredible at their hair. You used to talk to them. Yeah, I love them. Girls were there. So I still talk to them now, but I wasn't that type of girl. So that's why I didn't get that following. I didn't, I wasn't that Instagram girl of taking the perfect picture with about a million presets and lighting and, you know, editing. I wasn't that type of girl and I couldn't do their poses. I was a fitness girl with promoted fitness. I I pumped out like workouts and that Mm -hmm. wasn't that type of audience and that's okay. But that led to me to thinking, maybe I need to get some work done. Maybe I need to look prettier. Maybe I need to do this. And, you know, and I would never have thought about that because I was 28 and I was confident before I went to that show. And Mm. then because all of that happened, I was a bit like, well, why don't the media like me? Or like, why don't, and why doesn't an agent want to find me work? And it was just a little bit. And then I put weight on because I was just, I literally couldn't leave my house for about four weeks. And I was just got depressed from it. And I didn't want my normal life back. I had it and I kind of lost the love for anything. And it wasn't until I kind of got out of that, started seeing, making new friends and becoming in a different place and thinking, right, what am I good at? What's my USP? What's unique to me? What do people follow me for? The people that I have got, let's think about them. Instead of thinking about others, instead of thinking about growing, instead of thinking about what I haven't got, bloody hell, be bloody grateful. And it wasn't until then I started thinking, right, okay, let's use my experience and talk about my experience of that as well as um, amnuria, as well as competing. And I then started to realize that actually, okay, life, live, happy. And then COVID happened. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, oh, what's this? Excuse me. I was just living my life really happily in foreign (laughs) countries. Hello. (laughs) I was flying a lot, enjoying different countries. And now this whole how pandemic has happened. But for me, I mean, like it's taught me loads and luckily it's given me a platform as well to be able to help and encourage other women to feel better and to feel good. Um, so it was a blessing in disguise in on some respect that, you know, I, I, I find it hard to say like, like, yeah, my platform grew during COVID because I was trying to help, you know, motivate women and make everyone feel better and et cetera. And that's a good thing. And then I don't want to use a pandemic and and be happy from it. Do you know what I mean? Like, okay. I don't want to say, oh, that was a positive, but then it's so hard to be like, well, let's think negatively and think about every, everything that's happened and how bad it's been. But you've got to look to the positives because otherwise mm-hmm. if I'm just yeah. sat here thinking, oh my God, I can't, you know make a life out of this. Like you've got to use it for a positive situation. I'm like, what positives can we take from this that the whole world has gone through? And I think everyone has learned different parts about themselves. They've learned what is important in life. And I have tried to work solidly throughout this last year to, and and it's paid off and I have worked really, really hard. And I think that has then taught me the value of working hard. And I think I've gained that and understanding that getting up at 5 a.m. having your frothy coffee is very important in your life. We've got to talk uh, about this. <laughs> Hayden is a coffee this, connoisseur. This, and also it, uh, it gives me mass anxiety, your slow motion thing. I'm like, 
Is it going to yeah, spill? Every time when it comes out and you see yeah. the big drop and I'm like, in, out, is it? Not <laughs> it's brilliant. I do it just to wind people up. So oh. I'm glad it works. Yeah. I do. Oh, anxiety. It. And I'm like, oh, it's going to do it this time. It's going to do it. Oh, it didn't. Yeah, my friend Helen, she's like, I can't watch this anymore. I have massive anxiety with you before your coffee. And I'm like, then they're like, does Bernie not care about his side top getting ruined with milk? I'm like, I wipe it up, guys. Come on. Just do it to annoy you all. What, <laughs> what machine is Sometimes that? too small. What machine? Oh, it's only an espresso one. Is it? Um, it's just the coffee pods and then I froth right. it with an espresso frother. Um, but any frothers from Amazon work very well. Um, mm. It's soya milk. <laughs> <laughs> soya just milk froths really well. Mm. And that can be bought from any of your high street stores. Uh, yeah. Just like the milk. Alpro don't sponsor me, unfortunately, as much as I have asked my agency to talk to Alpro. They have said no. Oh, man. <laughs> if I had an agency, I would ask them to talk to one person and that would be Ben and Jerry's. That'd oh. be my life set. That'd literally be you my life. You could do Ben and Jerry's. Oh, it'd be amazing. Ben and Jerry's like would be the first you could, fitness You could give it a spin, person. though. That's what I mean. You could give it a spin and you could give them a whole new market to, to, yeah. to go towards. That's true. I don't have an agent. Let's get, Hayley, let's Hayley, get this going. Job. Let's get this going. I'll help you. Hayley, you got contacts. The wonderful management, 84 World, they're absolutely incredible. I'm so grateful for them because what I'd gone in the future, like in the past with agents and stuff, and it just mm-hmm. didn't work. And these guys actually... They run my life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they run my Google calendar and they help me with everything. And you do need help with this, you know, in, in like when you're self-employed as well, especially, and, I, and you're on your own and you're like, oh, I'm trying to do everything. And, and there's thousands of people that want your help. And you're like, that's amazing. I want to help you all. And then I'm like, I can't help you all. Mm. So when you've got, you know, people like when you're yourselves and you can team up and work together, it's incredible. But yeah, 84 World, absolutely amazing. And they stand for a lot of very good values and they basically they they run my life. <laughs> I need someone to do that for me. <laughs> it's nice to hear of a, a decent management team though, because you do yeah. hear of an awful lot of people that are just basically taking the piss out of, aren't they? Yeah, well the life. first the first agency I did eventually get through to um, after about six months of trying. Um oh, went wow. into liquidation and didn't pay me any money. So that oh, was awesome. fun. Lost a bit of money there. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say good thing you didn't go with them and then I was like, oh no, yeah. you did. Oh, okay. I found out when I was in Australia I was competing with do you know turf games? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I went um, when we did first. I, st- I did turf games for a couple of years. Um, I love the the group, the community. They're amazing, um, and I have a lot of friends with them. And we went to Australia as the female team um, <clears throat> and competed. And it was then when they told me they're in liquidation. I was like, oh, I'm flying back home. I yeah. can't afford this trip. Um, <laughs> so bad, isn't it? That yeah, awful. that was the insight of Australia. I had like literally six days there. So I don't think I slept at all, but got to experience a little bit of Sydney and Bondi Beach. And, nice. I, and I realized how incredibly strong the, the Australian women are. And I was like... <laughs> Out of my depths there. <laughs> I didn't actually know that they took that uh, worldwide. Yeah, so was... Andy, who owns Turf Games, is Australian. Just oh, lives is in he? London. Yeah, yeah, he's amazing. He owns Turf Games, created it, um, has lived in London for a few years, 
And it all started when just kind of like London PTs would get together and have a workout or a wad or whatever in different gyms. Mm. And it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And he was like, well, let's do a summer game on like this rugby field. And we were just all in groups and it was fantastic. And it was absolutely amazing. But it's like a festival. It's like a fitness mm. festival where you yeah. ridiculously hard CrossFit slash non-gymnastic because I can't do a handstand for shit. And it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, functional training and whilst drinking beer so that's fabulous with a dj yeah, I was, yeah I was really, it was probably about five years ago um a friend of mine joel he um he had a he had a team and um some one of his like one of the dudes dropped out and i was, I was meant to do it but i can't remember for whatever reason I, I i wasn't able to go that one day but i think that was like that must have been like one of the first how yeah. long have you for now like four or five years yeah ago? it must have been at least four or five years i think i started in 2017 2018 so must have been well it's at least three four years yeah but it's uh, quite hardcore it's got it's got harder <laughs> so i'm i'm edged out i'm like yeah i'm not this type of trainer like <laughs> um crossfit nah, i kind of like it but i'm not really gonna break my back to do this like i'd rather not do 50 kilo thrusters and then 100 burpees if i'm honest um i just want to train for fun Mm. I've lost I could the not fun think of anything worse. Like, yeah. that is literally the complete opposite to what I enjoy. My We've brother bought is an assault bike. But... We've bought an assault bike the other day, and I was like, time. "Why did I buy this? Because it's oh, horrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's torture. I literally, love that, I love that type of exercise. It's uh, the, exactly like you said, though. With the when Joel, invited, he didn't. I didn't get anything else apart from it. It was literally like someone's. Uh, we need someone's. Um, to Stand take over, yeah, yeah, and it's these are the details. Are you free? And he explained it like it was almost just like a little local event. It'll be a bit of fun. The pictures <laughs> came out like a week later, and these dudes are jacked like they're yeah. massive. <laughs> You've got God. CrossFitters, professional CrossFitters yeah. that do it. And you're like, why did I put myself in the elite fate? Like, angry <laughs> because there's a professional CrossFitter next to me. <laughs> I'm like. <sighs> Yeah, but it's brilliant to have a goal. Like Turf Games was definitely a goal for me for a couple of years. I absolutely loved it and I loved doing it with my friends and it was incredible. And that was a great goal as a performance goal. Um, but I just realized that I'm 31. My knees and back, you know, they're not the best. They're not like I was when I was 20. So I've got to take care of them. <laughs> Struggling to walk up the stairs. Great. That's it. It's good for you until it's not until it's like exactly. not good for you, and you have to you have to scale it down. You just got to yeah, scale it down. Exactly. The amount of times I think I did an hour and a half on that stepper every single day without holding on. Can I just say an hour and a half? <laughs> yeah. On eight hundred calories. Yeah, I was fun. I got really good at the stepper. <laughs> Did you do kickbacks on the stepper? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> Literally, that is my pet hate when I see girls like, and I, and I just want to tell them, please don't do that. Please, yeah, because just... there's no there's no contraction in your glute that you're going to get. They even tested with electromyography like tests. They actually tested that. They proved that it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, stop it. But no, I just, I, I just, it just breaks my heart. Or even just like, it's fair enough holding on if you need to hold on, but like incline walking, holding on, like. Mm. I'm totally that guy. <laughs> Really? When I used to do it, I used to do 40 minutes. Yeah, I used to do 40 minutes every day. And my calories were at like 18. My calories were like 1,800 at my lowest point. Oh, wow. And I was doing 1,400. I used to see my face. My face was so gaunt. Yeah. Um, 
and literally I remember as soon as I press go, get up to incline, I'd be holding on with my hood up and I just zone out because I'm like, I do not want to be here. It was like the worst 40 minutes of my day. Pretty pointless holding on. All you're doing is working your deltoid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had some good cap delts though, so maybe it was from the up, maybe it's from the old uphill walks I was holding up. Yeah. You gained some strong delts from yeah, that's, it. Oh, that's fine. See? It brings back horrible memories now, I think, of the stepper. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, mate. That's something yeah. else that. I think I do, it is good though. Like it does. Like it, I used to always do incline walk, and then as soon as we yeah. got a step at the gym, yeah. The time when we did it, like two two years ago, was I think the last time when I actually properly like got lean again, not as lean as that original time, comfortable lean. And Happy. I used that step up, and yeah. step up was great. Like you yeah. actually hundred percent, you burn more on it anyway because it is a lot of exhaustion, and it gets you thinking rather than like uphill walking is boring as hell. I think oh, on the yeah. stepper, you're kind of like focus on not tripping up. <laughs> that was it nah because by the end of it awesome. you don't even have to look at your feet yeah yeah like, I, had to I would, look down and then I like, would do no, all my instagram out. captions on the stepper yeah so i would be stepping i'd be like and then i'd be like brilliant i've done a post on my caption i'm on this and i've just only been 40 minutes i'm like well, yeah. and then you've got the next 20 minutes because the stepper turns off at 60 minutes and you've got to restart why it. is that why do <laughs> all of the live fitness machines do that 60 minutes they cut off and you're like, you're like i'm still here you can exercise more than 60 minutes it's <laughs> fine like just, just why are you switching off but yeah, um, they were, they were to trying to keep us healthy yeah. Yeah. it's in the it is in the most awkward place in our gym as well so like you walk into the double doors and it's on your right so like if people are walk are doing kickbacks on that stairmaster you generally have to like take a wide face because they will and it's yeah, always it was- like younger girls on there yeah and, and that's when i just think they've so seen it on instagram and yeah. they've seen big influencers do some kickbacks with the lovely bum who don't actually like, train like that who don't actually train like that and they're just <laughs> no. showing off their bum and they didn't get their bum from that they probably got their bum from leg press hip thrust dead yeah, you know. <laughs> and all of the heavy weight and not the kickbacks but these young impressionable girls will do the kickbacks because mm. that's what they're shown. And it, yeah, it breaks my heart so because hard. I'm thinking that's so unfair. That's not fair that these people are saying that they're getting it from that. They should clarify yeah. at the bottom of the caption. Yeah, man. <laughs> Lift heavy weights. Disclaimer. Yeah, a legal disclaimer. Yeah. Like this yeah. is for social media likes and yeah. views. This, this is purely for, for likes. Muscle building. Um, and that's the dangerous thing, isn't it? When you're at such a young age, you're so impressionable so easy. Yeah. I've had girls, this will, this, it literally breaks me. Like I've had literally like 14, 13, 12 year old girls be like, I want to lose weight. How many calories should I have? And I'm like, you're 12 years old. Like I did not know what a calorie was when I was 12 years old. Exactly. 18. Exactly. I probably still didn't know. They send me pictures. So one, I remember this girl, she was like 15. She sent me a picture of a celebrity who almost had like a King Gaddafi shape. Her, yeah. her waist, hip was tiny and she went out. She was like, how do I get my hips like that? And I was just like, that oh is gosh. completely structural. Like that is how, she is built that is genetics i was like you can't change your body shape that much and i always give advice to anyone that's kind of like 16 and under i'm like look i'm like focus on enjoying life i'm like eat plenty of fruit and vegetables i was like don't be scared of having some you know foods such as chocolate and ice cream have balance stay as active as possible drink loads of water i'm like and just enjoy spending time with your friends i'm like because you're so young that your body's going to change anyway i'm like so don't like Worry about the pressures of social media that at that stuff. age. I remember I was in college when Facebook came out. I think I was 17 when Facebook came out. We'd just put all our little pictures on there and I've still got those pictures on there. And I think like that was all that we had or our Nokia 3210 that we were playing Snake on when we were 14 years old. Oh, excellent. Which is brilliant. What a game. We got really good at that. 
And now these young impressionable girls have got Instagram, they've got YouTube that they literally can type in anything they want and look for it and find it. I mean, I didn't even have the internet until I was 17 at home. I couldn't even do MSN chat. I wasn't even allowed to do that. Oh, that was great, man. The sound of it like popping up when you got a new message. Or you got AOL or the dial up. Oh, <laughs> yes. I always remember that you'd have the, the the email system like on the dashboard. So when you'd like log in to the computer when you get home from school, it'd be like, you have email <laughs> every day without fail. You know, and then, then they've got this impression of like logging on just from their phone because they've all got iPhones by the age of 12. And it's so damaging for them to see all of this because on my explore page, even though I don't ever search for it, it is all cosmetic surgery. And I really don't know why that is on my explore page, but Mm. it's all the threading of the eye. I don't know if you've seen it, the fox eye, because it's very, very popular now. Like a a famous model's had it done. And they put, yeah, they put Mm. a thread here and they lift up your eyebrow. And you look good, but you also look a bit like Spock. And it's just like, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Promoting this on an explore. Yeah, it's like a stitch almost. I don't know what, it's yeah. called the fox eye trend or something. But that is all over my explore page. Nose jobs are all over my explore page. Like, and changes in bodies. So um, the sculpt, they call like an S curve. I don't know if you've seen it. Like in America, it's very popular to, it's obviously bum implants and like taking away the fat from the waist and all that. And that is all over my explore page all of the time. And I so don't damaging. even ever search for that. And I think that's because I'm a female. And I'm thinking right. if these girls are looking on Instagram and they're looking that, at that up and that comes on their explore page all the time and they're looking delve into deeper. I don't look like that. I don't look like that. I don't look like that. Yeah, because these people are fake and they, they're obviously, that's fair enough. If they want to look like that, I would never say don't get any work done. If you want to improve your confidence and that's going to help, but that might not improve your confidence. Your confidence needs to improve. Exactly. Your your confidence is inner for yourself before you ever do anything. But Mm. that type of stuff is so, it's so unachievable for the most normal person that they then fixate on getting all of this stuff done to themselves when they don't work on their actual confidence or mindset. Mm. It's triggering as well. Yeah. It's so, it's so triggering. Mm. I mean, even I look and I get like, I'm like, Oh, Oh, that looks good. Yeah, yeah. It's I'm the like, oh, on TikTok. It's like the mental tra- oh. like you you see like literally this like on TikTok it must be like a sixteen year old and you see like a before and then it's like suddenly an after they've done their makeup and they look like a completely different person I and know. I'm like and I'm like I know that the person that's <laughs> done the makeup they're the photos and that is the that is the individual that you'll see on on Instagram you'll yeah. never see the the other person because that person doesn't exist yeah like, that person is the only person. So people always strive to be that. And I'm like, but they don't look like that. That isn't actually what they look like. Like they look like this. This is what they've made you think with some obviously great makeup. Brilliant makeup, Teddy. Incredible. Like these these young girls literally. I mean, they should be makeup artists for like films and stuff, but they then post that. And I think that's where it's also then demotivating because it's also like you don't then have like what is real. You know, yeah. there's, there's a lot of girls, which I do like, which like yourself, like post the, the real you. Do you know what I mean? You're like, this is what social media wants someone to see. This is actually me. Us oh, guys have a hard time, man. We wake up first thing in the morning, splash our faces and a bit of moisturizer. Yeah. And I'm like, this is me. Like, I'd love to be like, right, someone do my face for a day. Like, <laughs> make up me up. Make me look fancy. What did <laughs> you say to me the other day? <laughs> well, you're about, you're yeah. about to dig me out, aren't you? In front of Haley. Yeah. <laughs> what did you say? 
What did you tell me the other day that you, you've got a bit of a weird obsession of? Oh, so I think people putting on makeup, like watching makeup tutorials and things like that, is really weirdly like sass. I like watching people doing skilled things. And I see makeup okay. as a skilled thing. I once got like down a dark hole of just watching people do makeup tutorials for like half an hour before. <laughs> watching people do like eyeshadow. Eyeliner. And I was like, It's okay if you want to wear makeup. <laughs> yes. It fascinates. You, like, you can do it. My other half doesn't wear makeup that often, but when she does... I would honestly just sit there and just watch. I'm fascinated by watching like people put like makeup on. Cause I'm like, it's, it's a skill. Like makeup is a skill. Agree with me or disagree. It is a me. very amazing skill. I can't, like, I, I, yeah. I, I mean, I can't agree with you on that because I don't, <laughs> I don't, don't have that. Yeah. Watch your other half next time and watch the amount of like, <laughs> this is how it like came about. Like, this, this, so she was, she was literally sitting there at that mm. table and he was like, he was like, we were having a conversation and in the middle of that conversation, she goes, that's so fascinating that. And I was like, she was like, what, just under like, your face. <laughs> yeah, it's like me. Yeah. Honestly, it just it is. It's a it's a skill. It's um, a skill I wish I learned because I'm awful at it, and I just just put on a, a little lot of bit girls of sorrow, say that, and I'm like, nah, I don't know how to do it. We're never taught. It's insane <laughs> because I see it like uh, it's like what like, I like it's watching artist pictures being drawn. Yeah, like, I always watch on TikTok pictures being drawn, like when someone's like drawing a picture and stuff like that. It that is the same to me. Like I'm like that is that is like artistic. It is it's smart, man. It yeah, is very incredible. <laughs> but I don't tend to watch them for half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> well this was also kind of it blended in from just one thing, but then it blended into the the makeup artists that like it was create research. face it. Create you know the the <laughs> makeup artists that create like you oh, see them on TikTok when they literally like make themselves look like uh, different people. Uh, yeah, like yeah, action. like Angelina Jolie, and yes. then they raise, and then they look like some. Yeah, I wasn't just different. watching someone like put their um, <laughs> eyelashes on for like half an hour. Nah, it got to that. Some girl could make herself look like all these famous celebrities, like yeah. Jay Z, like Michael Jackson, and then another one would dress up like Marvel characters. But it would all be just like makeup, and it was just all like artistically. It's insane. The talent is incredible. Just to clarify, I wasn't just watching people do like eyeliner or put okay. on like. <laughs> now you've made me sound weird. <laughs> it was your own I'm, fault. It started off weird. Yeah. I'm now leaving. Yeah. <laughs> on that but, note. On going, going back to what you were saying though, like especially like I think I, I do honestly believe that in the next like five or ten years there's gonna be a bit more of a shift of a, a positive from social media because I think right now everything we alluded to, like it there is so much um falseness involved that is like and also like there's just so much rubbish that's being sold that's not pe- not benefiting people's health and people's own images. But I think like you I've seen before of like even this, these makeup things that you know you've just you've spoken about of before and afters of actually what is reality and what is not, and I think even for like myself, who's someone that doesn't watch makeup tutorials, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, you wait, what dirt I'm going to get on you? <laughs> I'm digging you out so bad. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, even for like it's an eye opener. Yeah, for, for for me to say, oh, actually, do you know what? Like that is that is reality. And then you're seeing more about this with body image and stuff like that. So I do think there's a bit more of a positive shift that will happen. But mm. absolutely, I guess no doubt there's probably gonna yeah. Happen. The people that I follow are very similar accounts um, to myself, like uh, positive vibes and confidence and trying to promote reality. Mm. And there are a lot more people doing it now that is 
spreading more of this uh, kind of voice, shall we say, that's overtaking social media to be less perfection, and mm-hmm. especially because of the pandemic, and become reality. Because what in reality, we're all sat at home in our houses for the last year, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And that has obviously triggered a lot of people with loads of different things like that has caused. And I think my relationship with food got better during this pandemic because I had no control over going to the gym. I couldn't go to the gym. Yeah. It was closed. I was like, what? You're only allowed to go outside once. What? I can't yeah. do my 30,000 steps that I was probably used to doing. And it was almost like I had no control over it. So I thought, okay, fine. I'm alive. I'm he- I'm healthy. I'm happy. Like, we're going to do what we can do. And it taught me loads. And then being open on social media and showing the reality of things that, yes, back then I looked like that, but I didn't have a period and I didn't, you know, I was obsessed with everything of, of, of overweighing every little ounce of food and overtraining. But now this is my reality. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm happy. And I wasn't happy then. And that is what, counts. And I think when people can talk about that on social media, and if they're posting like really perfection, perfect, beautiful pictures, which I'm in awe of a lot of the time, I think that looks amazing. But if we knew kind of what the reality was of their life, and if that wasn't actually a time of their life that they were happy, or if they actually posted the reality with it, like it took them a hundred goes to do, to get that picture, just makes everyone feel so much better. And we're all normal, all human. And when we look at that app and we look at people, we look at people with blue ticks and we look at people with a large following and we just then in awe of them. I'm like, why, 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 why does that matter? Like what's that person giving you back? Just beautiful pictures. Fabulous. But it's actually making me feel like crap. So (laughs) most of the time I feel like if these people also can join in on the showing the reality, and I mean, it doesn't have to be on every post, but just talking about it, it helps everyone really realize that actually we're all human. We're all the same. And especially these young girls on social media, they need to see it. Mm -hmm. And in every single country, it needs to be shown the fact that, yeah, tweaking on Photoshop on magazines happens, tweaking on Photoshop, on Lightroom, on Snapseed, on everything, on photos, on Instagram or Twitter or TikTok videos. We can edit videos for crying out loud. It's mental like what you can do. And I think when we're talking more about that and opening that conversation more and more and more up on podcasts, on social media, on the television and teaching people that it's okay to do both. It's okay to look and want to be posed. It's beautiful. It's okay to, to get that nice picture and I look amazing. I feel really good. But it's also, as long as you're accepting your reality, that fact that everyone else's pictures that you're comparing yourself against to all of the time, that's not their reality either will allow you to realize that actually, okay, I don't need to change myself because of that picture. And Mm -hmm. I don't need to change myself because of everyone else's perfection, because that's not their reality either. And it's understanding and implementing that into our lives and our children's lives and the younger generations. And hopefully that will, you know, I feel like it is going that way on social media. Um, It's It's just highlight reel. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I think, and, and it's 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 shining the light on it. It's yeah. just being like, look, it's okay to do that, but just remember, it is that. You know, yeah. it is that. Like this has been tweaked. It has got a filter on it. Has got X Y Z on it. And then being like, don't like, don't lose yourself down that black hole. You know, it's giving you that kind of like little bit like pull yourself out. Just remind yourself that this isn't real life. Like this isn't how everyone walks around the street looking like it, and that's okay. 
and it's just reminding i think as well and also the worst thing i think is trends and i know you're for that like thigh gaps and so i've been asked multiple times like how do i get a thigh gap and I'm like, I'll get different parents. <laughs> like, change your parents. You want to change your parents? No, well, cool. You're never going to have one. Be born again. <laughs> well, I could book you in for, you know, a surgery, yeah. the length and, you know, the oh. necks of your fe- femur and the depths of your like hip sockets. But I mean, I'm not into that kind of thing. And that's not my scope of practice. No. But like, like cellulite, hip gaps, all these different things. Yeah. And I'm like, but the no thing is, people don't think is. Hold on, people don't realize that guys don't actually care. Yeah. Like guys don't even look for that stuff. Like if someone has cellulite or someone had a thigh gap, I wouldn't even notice. think about it as being, yeah, I wouldn't even notice unless someone pointed out. And even if I did notice it, I wouldn't notice it in a negative or a positive light. It would make me think no different to you. And it's that's, just, yeah. you and that's marketing of anti-cellulite creams and anti-cellulite potions telling women that it's bad. There's only marketing that's forced us to think it's bad. And actually, it's, it's extremely important to the longevity of females to have a bit of fat there. Mm. Very vital. Especially if you're pregnant, you're going to get more because the baby will live on it if you don't find food. Natural, normal. Mm. It's, it's actually incredible the way that a female stores fat. I think it's amazing mm. the way that we store fat there for babies like that's incredible like our bodies are amazing and yet because marketing and social media and magazines have told us it's not it's not good or it's a bad Mm -hmm. thing because you've always got this anti-cellulite stuff and anti-cellulite creams and anti-stretch marks you think it's bad immediately because you see stuff telling you to get rid Mm -hmm. of it well this is what this is what i was going to say it's like it's the, the messed up thing about it is, is people are actually selling like this thigh gap program. Like people are selling these programs. No, they're not. Yeah, they're literally. Like you get. You're, <laughs> you're going to swear then. <laughs> you, you know that you're talking about as well, like the bone structure of someone's hips for this, like glute. They're yeah. selling these glute programs, and this is how I train to get to that. It's like, no, you. Yeah, Yeah. and the thing is, is anyone listen to this? Like, cellulite is perfectly normal. Women have higher levels of lower body fat patterning due to estrogen. Yeah, cellulite is literally just body fat, adipose tissue protruding through the connective tissue. It's a perfectly normal thing. It isn't just for women. Literally, physical men will have it. It is normal. It is literally so totally normal. The only reason you have it on your thighs and your bum is because of certain hormone levels, which allow you to have that. You need body fat on you. The reason that why you lose your menstrual cycle is because your body deems you to not be in a good enough place to reproduce. That yeah. should ring alarm bells in and of itself. <laughs> like not cellulite is, properly. Yeah, cellulite is absolutely fine. Like the re- the reduction of body fat may reduce the appearance of cellulite, but you, again, I still have cellulite on stage. I did still exactly. have a tiny, like, tiny bit of cellulite on stage. Unreal leanness. And I was like 10% body fat, which was <laughs> hard to get down to for me. Yeah, like that's crazy. Yeah. That is crazy low. Yeah. yeah. And it's crazy lean for a girl. And, and I mean, I got a message the other day from a girl. I was 2% body fat. I was like, 2%? Are you messaging me from the grave? Because you would not be alive. I don't, I don't think you were, babes. Yeah. Um, what scale did you use boots yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's it I'm like how do you know what body 1%. fat percentage is they're like oh well I stood on one of the scales I'm yeah like, I'm like cool. oh they're so, really good aren't yeah. they was it a DEXA scan no I always say as well I'm like I literally stripped down to my boxers went in a dunk tank went in this weird thing that had a see-through front that was like an egg it opened up and I sat in this pod I'd be like that is the only yeah. way that's cost like hundreds if not like a million pounds yeah. to tell me what the real truth is here not 
30 pounds off Amazon that you stand on and it sends an impedance through your body and it's like, yep, you're 2%. (laughs) You are 2% less off because you've just wasted money on that 30 pound product. Yeah, exactly. Relax. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's crazy. And it's, I think people don't, people don't realize the damaging effects that it has. And I think that's also comes with, this is my personal opinion here. This isn't factual. It's anecdotal. I think that comes from naivety. People often selling Herbalife or selling these creams, you know, they do it through, you know, their beauty. Uh, they work for beauty things, don't they? They work from home and they sell oh, yeah. stuff. And I'm like, a lot of it's naivety because you don't realize the damaging impact that that has on someone by selling them, by promoting them, by giving them this false belief saying that rather than fixing it, saying that like, actually what you believe isn't right, they're like, no, what we're going to do is we're going to go with your belief and we're going to make money off of it. Yeah. And you're like, that's the worst thing. And I think even from a fat loss standpoint, when people try all these diets and these shakes and these pills, they're like, oh, I was looking into these ketones and I'm literally like, <laughs> they are just, they're literally just like priming off of people that like have struggled years and years yeah. and years to lose weight. They're in such a bad, desperate place that like this, they just get, see an advert and they're like, oh and not God, offering any education. Answer no education whatsoever. So they're just going to take it quick fix, probably not going to do anything in the slightest anyway. And then they go back to square one. And then they're in a worse situation because everything is worse relationship with food scales, their, you know, their body fat. I think I did a post on it today. I was like, most women that have tried dieting are guaranteed. I reckon like 90% of them are in a worse situation than when they first ever tried to lose weight in the first place. And you're like, if someone literally, if you pay someone to do something and it made it worse, you'd probably sack them. You'd probably ask for your money back and not continue doing it. Yet when it comes to our bodies and our physiques, it's like, we seem to forget that we keep doing the same thing and it gets something worse. Yet we're almost so we're so blinded. It's just fog, isn't it? Because if we're so adamant that we want to get to this place, we're literally just throwing money, time, effort, everything into it, even despite if it's not going our way, because we're so wanting to get to this place because it means so much for us, yet we're doing it in despite of everything that probably if we sat and stopped and had a little bit of like common sense and just a thought, yeah, you probably realize that, you know what? And most people probably do that do these diets. They actually do have that thought. They're like, I know it's not going to work, but I might as well try it. <laughs> just in case yeah the thing yeah. is like, until you're like, like, anything in life until you're like we are so most of it is stemming from like families like your parents ingraining this information but until your beliefs are changed like you will keep reverting back to that old like that old um kind of approach that you're taking because no one's ever changed it. And typically like these uh, diet clubs and stuff like that, they use these old approaches. What is just confirming their belief over and over and over again. Um, but they're just getting the same results, which is absolute madness. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> so just kind of bringing it, we've got a full circle here team. <laughs> I'm just, I'm sat here. I'm like, I really need a wee. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely not allowed to go. Uh, <laughs> we'll bring it around. We'll bring it around. Yeah. We'll so wrap it up. Kind of um getting to kind of getting to the end of the podcast. Um <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to do another round. <laughs> um what's what would be some like core principles that over so if you can shortcut someone's journey, like everything that you have learned over the last 10 years, what would be like three to five such a random number there like core principles for for, for the the listeners to take away and it doesn't necessarily have to be like from a fat loss standpoint it can be from like your 
your own body image, your perception of whatever it might be? So I would always say comparison is the thief of joy. Ooh. Don't ever compare yourself against anyone else on their journey, nice. on their fat loss journey, on their pictures, on their progress, on anything, because your journey is your journey and everyone's journey is different. And comparing your results to other people's like, how come she lost that much weight in that much time? It's just a complete negative mindset to be in comparing yourself completely always about other people. So focus on you, stop comparing on social media, on anything. And you'll realize that your mindset will be in much happier place. Um, flexibility in the process of like dieting. Don't ever feel guilty for enjoying foods that you want to enjoy. Don't ever feel bad that you ate something that you feel like is bad food because no food is bad and that we are allowed to incorporate food freedom. We're allowed to incorporate all the types of food because the minute we think, uh, have like an attachment of the word bad to certain foods, we're going to probably think guilt more so than anything. And also we're going to end up binging and probably over-restricting them binging. So including all foods in your weekly diet, like is so important for me and for my clients. So, um, I would always promote that. Um, oh. I did massively put you on the spot. <laughs> okay, it's, I'm just, it's all right. I've, I've stopped thinking about needing a wee, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> I'm play some, I wish we had sounds here that we could like play water. <laughs> oh, God, please don't. This is what coffee does to me. Um, another thing, frothy coffee is always going to make you happy. <laughs> oh, <it's> nice. <laughs> the one so, thing that wakes me up in the morning that I, I can't, like, I look forward to is my frothy coffee. And this is from someone that drank black Americanos for years because she didn't want to put any calories in her drinks. So for myself, yeah, <laughs> for myself to allow myself a bit of milk in a frothy cappuccino, like that's life. <laughs> um, that. It will always cure anything. <laughs> any mindset, have a frothy coffee. Um, to focus on your mental health more so than anything and to focus on when understanding you need some time out and a day off. And if you want to go and run a bath at 5 p.m. and get into bed at 7 p.m. or, you know, focusing on your mindset attributes and working on that as well as your physical benefits, that's perfect. Allowing that both come hand in hand and saying, have you actually thought about your m mindset today? Have you actually thought about Maybe I need some time out for me. Maybe I need to have a bit of self-care, self-kindness, self-love. It's so important to add that in on your journey and not just think that your journey is purely movement, walking, training, eating. Like it's also running yourself a hot bath, having going to bed early if you want to, if you're knackered, reading a book, having some like mindfulness meditation, doing some yoga practice, stuff that works for you in a different way that's not going to give you a physical feeling, maybe like um, it's not going to produce sweat, you're not going to you know, have an endorphin rush, but you're going to have a self-care rush. So like you're going to feel better in your mindset. You're going to, your anxiety is going to decrease. Your stress is going to decrease. So focusing on that as much as your fitness and your physical ability, if we put in that much effort that we do every single day, day tracking foods, moving, walking, steps, um, fitness, actually working out as we do with our mindset, imagine how good we could feel. Mm. So focusing on that as much as that is so vital. And I mean, the anxiety and the stress that we put ourselves on, like 
during my menstrual cycle, I get massive, cha- massive changes in anxiety during like my luteal phase because of damn progesterone. <laughs> <laughs> and it like affects me. Like I get really anxious, um, like OCD flares up and things like that just because of my hormones. So to be able to understand that that's my hormones, but to be able to put in something in practice to help reduce that is vital instead of putting pressure on us and thinking, well, why am I anxious? Like I I need to feel better for this. So focusing on that and allow yourself time out is so vital. Love that. that. Yay! That was good. Well, look, it's been an absolute pleasure, Haley. Thank you ever so much for having uh, having us. It's great. (laughs) It's been great to have you, and thank you very much for coming onto the podcast. Um, It's probably the longest podcast we've done, but I mean, we could have gone down so many other rabbit holes. But it's it's great, and I think you've really nicely kind of rounded it off with regards to you know make sure you're always looking outside of the weight loss box it's not just about what you eat there's so many other aspects to that and you've got to not only look after your physical self but your mental health as well and and it's okay to sometimes not be okay and take time out for you yeah okay not to be okay there you go and we'll now let you go for a week so thank you it's been a pleasure and we'll see you in the next episode thank you for having me see you later take care bye